0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome back to Know Your Bible. Glad that you're with us today. We've got some good questions coming up because we get all of our questions from our viewing audience and we try to find answers to them. That's what we do on this program. Hopefully that helps us all know our Bible a little bit better. So you'll see at the bottom of the screen there's a phone number and a website. Use those anytime you want. Uh, get in touch with us and tell us what you're wondering about. Maybe a specific verse or a topic or doctrine or maybe it's something in your life or a current event that you wonder, what's the Bible have to say about that? We'd be happy to try to help you with that and learn a little bit more about the Bible. So that's the way we operate and we've got plenty of good ones coming up and we're going to answer as many as we can today me and toby levering good morning toby we're
1: going to do our best good morning
0: glad you're here and with us and studied up and ready to go uh we always start with one for our viewers so let's give you a quiz this morning Uh, joseph of arimathea uh, lived about the time of jesus and he gave jesus something Uh, we're going to give you the answer to that at the end of the program see if you know that story so that's your question for the day and Toby got the first one today, so you get to start us off.
1: You know, we get all types of questions I know your Bible, we and do. this is one of those questions. Someone simply wants to know, what did John carry his honey in? Well, okay, um, John the Baptist is probably who you're referring to. Uh, John was a cousin of Jesus, a sort of a, uh, unusual in his method and his uh, uh, just kind of what he was known for. He, first of all, didn't really have a home. He he lived in the wilderness, and he lived off of uh, wild honey and locusts. And this person, understanding those things, uh, said, well, how did John carry that honey around? How did he transport it? The Bible really doesn't say. Uh, Our assumption is that he maybe didn't transport it, just ate it as he found it and enjoyed it, or uh, i I. you know the Bible just doesn't tell us, and Scripture doesn't say. So, so that's kind of the basic answer to it. If you want to know more about uh, this cousin of Jesus who prepared the way, uh, who who uh, prepared all of Israel for the King, uh, the Messiah the savior to make his entrance into the world uh, just look there at the beginning of matthew matthew chapter three and it tells you a little bit more about john the baptist preparing the way well, here's a verse from verse four now john wore a garment of camels hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey so uh, obviously since he's living in the wilderness he uh, you know ate uh, what was available at any given time and and uh, and did what he could where he could. And the Bible does not tell us what uh, particular mode of storage he used. If he did use,
0: uh, we assume that he didn't. So, hope that answers your
1: question and uh, a little more about John the Baptist. Read Matthew three.
0: Okay, I got one from an Old Testament story now about uh, David and Goliath. Well, fellow wants to know why did David cut off Goliath's head? Wasn't he already dead? Well, somebody's been reading the account pretty well. It's in First Samuel, about chapter 17. <clears throat> David did hit Goliath with the stone out of the sling. It says the giant fell face down. And then it does say, after he killed him, <coughs> he cut off his head. Uh, so, at first glance, that sounds like a little excessive, maybe, or a little too much. But uh, if we think of the picture of what was going on, The armies were lined up, the Israelites and the Philistines, on separate hills, and there was a valley between. So the armies were quite a ways away, like bigger than a big football stadium. And when Goliath fell down, the Philistine army could have thought, Well, he's just knocked out, and he's going to come back, and we've got a chance. Uh, David put that idea to rest by cutting off Goliath's head and holding it up, probably. And once the Philistines, in fact, the Bible says this, when the Philistines saw uh, that their champion was dead, then they fled. Uh, so when we read it, it, sounds a little bit like showing off or taunting, maybe, uh, in modern terms, but I think it was just a visual aid to show the Philistines that, yeah, he's dead. Uh, your God's lost. My God won. The uh, Jehovah is the true god so uh... viewers right he did kill him and then cut off his head but i think it was just to show the army that was a long way off that yep he's really dead so my best explanation of why david did that
1: all right the next question is uh... one concerning doubt uh... viewer asked the question i've always believed in god and jesus but sometimes i wonder if it's not all true Is this Satan at work in me or just common human wondering? Well, I think basically the answer could be both. Uh, Certainly, uh, since the beginning, human beings uh, having partaken of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil... Uh, we, we have uh, an awareness, a knowledge of things, a natural curiosity, a healthy dose of skepticism, almost about anything we see. We need that. That's a good thing. It helps humankind advance. It helps us uh, make progress, and those are, are good things. This is part of the mind that God gave us. And so, to some degree, that's okay. Uh, that's part of uh, the wiring, you might say. Uh, there's another uh, area of doubt that I will call unhealthy doubt, uh, something that erodes the foundations of faith. Uh, Certainly that's a spiritual thing and Satan could use that and may use that. Uh, I'm not sure that he always does. Not every person who doubts is immediately an unbeliever. Doubt is a a common thing. Uh, Even in the face of evidence and facts, sometimes there's just something within us that isn't quite sure, not so sure that we can trust what we see or what we hear uh, or what we know to be true. Uh, it's normal and natural, but uh, when we review the facts, <laughs> when we remember, which is a very important thing to do, what God has done and what God is doing, uh, we can we can take and trust what God will do. Um I would say it can be unhealthy. And so as a believing person of faith, when you have times of doubt, and I think every Christian does, uh, you go through natural times of despair. Maybe you go through tough times or you uh, face uh, burdens that you're not sure why you're facing those burdens. Uh, how, do we, how do we correct, how do we keep that doubt in check? How do we continue to, to walk by faith? How do we trust the Lord even more? Uh, some things you can do. Uh, first of all, uh, I think uh, spending time with the Lord. And I mean by that, uh, spending time in God's Word and and reminding yourself that God is still at work and reminding yourself of what He's done in the past and reminding yourself of those scriptures uh, which brought you to faith or which inspired faith in the first place. Uh, Spend some time in prayer, listening to God, adoring God, uh, telling God, and just being honest that you, you, you have some doubts, you're unsure, you're a finite, limited human being, and you need His help. And and I believe when you call out to the Lord, He will answer uh, when you call sincerely. Uh, use that time to to uh, just lay those insecurities and anxieties at His feet. Uh, another thing you can do is is to be uh, to um, k- fellowship with other Christians. Uh, get some uh, people around you who have faith and uh, be encouraged by them and and maybe share uh, your doubts your concerns with them let them pray for you and let them remind you of of some some reasons to have hope instead of doubt and i think this is one of the reasons why we have the church body the the church life because we encourage one another we build one another we edify one another and and help each other through times of doubt um, and So hopefully some of those things will be helpful if you're a person struggling with doubt. And I've got one scripture on the screen just to remind you that doubt is a normal thing. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, Matthew records, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Now this is, of course, after Jesus has has died and has been resurrected. And when they saw Him, the the resurrected Jesus, they worshipped Him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to him, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Uh, I I, I know that there's a reason that that Matthew put that phrase in, but some doubted. To remind us that even in in the midst of some amazing things, uh, there's still room for doubt. And as long as we keep that in check, as long as we... Uh, don't give way to our feelings as long as we pay attention to the facts, as long as we stay uh, within Scripture and stay in the Lord's presence. We'll get through those times of doubt. So I hope that, that helps you, and, and just know that doubt is part of the process.
0: All right. You've been studying the Word and reinforcing the, the, the truths of the Bible are a help, and that's one reason that we advocate home Bible study. Uh, We like to share a little bit of knowledge about the Bible every week for 30 minutes, but we don't get much covered. So we do advocate home Bible study, and we've got some tools that make that pretty easy or a lot easier than just starting off reading sometimes. Uh, Here's the first set of lessons that we've got available that we'll send to folks. Uh, There's eight lessons in it a very good overview of the bible a good basic bible study and then we've got some more advanced courses that study the life of christ and uh, the book of acts and how we got our bible and, and lots of different uh, studies that just help you know your bible better we've also added some online courses if you respond to that uh, log on to that website you see there uh, you'll get connected to some online courses that we have that are uh, different than our other ones, but uh, you can do them in paper, but also online. So they're a great way to study the Bible. and Any of these tools are helpful, and we let you pick which ones you think you'd be most comfortable with and try them out, see if you like them. And uh, if you don't want to stop, we won't bother you in any way. Uh, we just think it's a good way to study the Bible. I'm happy to offer those, absolutely free of charge. So call us or log on. All right, question about baptism. I was baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Someone told me I need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Well, this is a very common confusion, uh, A lot of different teachings about baptism and about baptism of the Holy Spirit and uh, a lot of confusion. So the easiest way is just to read the Bible, like we say here often, and just look at who's talking, who's being talked to. ...and the context, and you can figure it out pretty quickly. So we'll just look at two verses that I think will help us understand this one. Uh, first, since our viewer said he had been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, let's look at that one. Uh, on the screen, uh, Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen. Uh, Jesus told his apostles, he said, "...Go therefore and make disciples of all nations." baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit. Okay, so that includes you and me. That's all nations. Uh, Jesus told his followers, go out and make disciples, make Christians, make people know how to follow me. And... When you do that, you baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So we know we're included in that command, and our viewer says they've been baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's good. You've met the conditions of Matthew twenty-eight, nineteen. Now, the apostle's experience is something else, and we read about that in Acts chapter one, verses four and five. This is right before Jesus left the earth. That's another thing he told them. He said, while staying with them, that's the apostles whom he had chosen, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. All right, we have to read that see who's talking. Jesus. Who's he talking to? The 12 apostles. So he told the apostles, actually there were 11 by then, he told the 11, he said, you wait in Jerusalem and you're going to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay. You can read the rest of the New Testament and you won't find any place where you and I are told to be baptized with the holy spirit it was a one-time event it was a significant event on the day of the pentecost Uh, the 12 apostles were uh, anointed with the holy spirit baptized in him if you want to say it that way Uh, they received miraculous gifts There's a lot of things happened that day but that was the apostles now there's a difference. Uh, if you've done Matthew 28 19, you've done what you're supposed to do. Uh, the Bible doesn't tell you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, doesn't tell you how to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, doesn't give you any reason to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. So, if you want to know what that means? I'd say that's what the apostles did, and uh, we don't have to worry about it. Now, I know the Holy Spirit is active in our conversion and our change he changes our heart when we're baptized and the holy spirit does a lot of things but being baptized in the holy spirit with the holy spirit was a one-time event that we don't have to worry about so that's what that means i think so okay you've done what you should <laughs>
1: All right, we get a question or two about cremation uh, on this program, and this uh, is uh, one of those cases. Will being cremated cause me to go to hell? Uh, No, it will not. Uh, What happens to, or what uh, is done to the physical body after you die uh, has no bearing on your eternal uh, salvation or your eternal destiny. uh, Where you end up has nothing to do with what's done with the body. Additionally, uh, when Jesus returns, and the, there's the resurrection of the dead. Uh, being, if your body's cremated, it's not not going to make any difference. Uh, God's going to handle all that just fine. And uh, all cremation does really is speed up the process of of the decay. And uh, you know, people die in many different ways, and uh, you know, burial's the most common way we're familiar with but of course uh, you know all sorts of tragic situations and war and people who who um, uh, drown and things like that uh it's not always possible to bury the body so cremation is just one way of um you know, disposing and and uh, handling the body and that there's not any bearing so uh the Bible doesn't say, people ask, what does the Bible say about it? The Bible really says not much about it. The Bible is what we would say is neutral in that it doesn't condemn it or condone it. It just says it happens. Uh, there's a couple of instances. One example is found in First Samuel chapter uh, 31, verses uh, 11 and following uh the story of Saul and his uh, you know he was captured and, and the bodies of he and his men were basically desecrated and they cremated them uh because they they didn't you know they wanted to felt like that was the best way to handle the corpses of the king and his men so uh cremation really as far as the bible says there's It's fine if you do it, fine if you don't. It's really a personal choice. What we always say on the program and the concern the subject is please make your wishes known because amongst even families, people have different feelings about it. So whatever you want to happen, uh, make sure you make that known. You put it in writing and make sure that they know your wishes. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50 and following. I tell you, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. So uh, a lot of this physical world and a lot of the things even concerning matters of death uh, are very different from what happens when we die, and there's, one has no effect upon the other. So hope that helps you. The Bible doesn't say very much about it.
0: All right. you want to know if the Bible prohibits something Uh, does the bible say that two people of the same sex cannot be married to each other so is there a prohibition in the bible against same-sex marriage and i will answer truthfully no the bible does not address that topic it doesn't say that two people of the same sex cannot be married now let's think about why it doesn't mention that What it does do is tell us what marriage is. It tells us God's plan, and that's kind of the pattern of the Bible. It doesn't tell us everything we can't do or shouldn't do. It tells us what God thinks is best for us. So if we read the original account in Genesis, or we read Jesus summarizing that when he was asked about marriage, uh, let's look at that one in Matthew 19. uh, Jesus was asked about marriage, and he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? And he said, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. All right, there's Jesus telling us what God's plan for marriage is. It's for a male and a female to be joined together in marriage Uh, so our viewer back to our viewers question does it say don't do this don't do that no it just says here's what works best i was trying to think of an illustration i realized the other day i used some epoxy to fix something and i got two tubes and one was part a and one was part b and i read the directions and it said mix equal part of part a with part b and stir them up and it'll work uh i read all of the directions and nowhere did it say don't try a plus a Uh, don't try mixing an equal part of b with an equal part of b uh it didn't tell me not to do that it just told me what to do and i hope you get the illustration uh, that that's what god's word does He says a male and a female join together in marriage, and he doesn't mention anything else because this is what works. Uh, That's the way the Bible is. This is what's best. This is what's best for us. Uh, This is what's best for society. Uh, All of God's rules, not just marriage rules, all of them uh, make life better. Okay? Now, I realize that today the world in large part has decided that, okay, we can change things. Uh, we can do it different. Uh, we can try A plus A or B plus B, and that'll that'll work somehow. Uh, well, it's not the best, and at worst, it's going to cause c- catastrophic problems uh, because God's ways are best. So, nope, the Bible doesn't prohibit it, but it does tell us what's right and what's best and doesn't have to tell us what's not to try. All right, let me take this moment and invite you to visit a Church of Christ near you. We're on in a lot of different states and uh, helped by a lot of different churches, and we like to mention a few of those each week. Uh, So today let's mention some up around Illinois and Iowa. If you're up in the Quad Cities area or around there, uh, we broadcast from Rock Island, and uh, these folks up there help us stay on the air, the church in Sterling, Illinois one in Moline and one in Muscatine, Iowa, all help us. And uh, we appreciate their help and invite you to visit some of them. Uh, If you live near one or maybe you know a member at one of those churches of Christ, tell them, hey, I was watching Know Your Bible the other day and saw your church mentioned, and thank you for helping keep them on the air. We appreciate their help, too. So, whatever market you're in you're probably near a church of christ and if you're looking for a church home uh drop in and visit sometime you'll find a lot of folks that think and study about the bible a lot like we do here on know your bible so visit the church of christ sometime
1: all right a person wants to know about jesus's miracles specifically where in the bible is the first miracle of jesus performed And the first miracle of Jesus' ministry that we know is public ministry was when he turned water into wine at a wedding in Cana in Galilee. And the account of this is found in John chapter Two. You can read the whole account, uh, but we 'll look at it on the screen just a portion of that together. When the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from, though the servants had <clears throat> who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, "Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine, but you have kept the good." Until the a good, a good wine until now. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. And that was, of course, the first of many uh, miracles, not only recorded in the book of John, but all of the gospel accounts that Jesus did. And the reason he did those miracles was to uh, show his authority and his power. Although when you read John chapter 2 and this, the first miracle, it almost sounds like Jesus did not have the plan of doing that miracle, uh, but what rather was let uh, should always say motivated by his mother, encouraged by his mother uh, to do it so it 's an interesting story, and that 's the first miracle that Jesus did. Hope that answers your
0: question He was a good son he did, obeyed. Did, 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 what, did what mama asked so that 's always a good principle to follow <laughs> all right, if you ever want to know about proverbs, what is a proverb? Uh, well, it's a good question because sometimes we read the book of Proverbs and we read some statement and we think, well, that's not always true. Well, there's your clue. A proverb is not always true. It's a general truism. Uh, it's generally true. It's kind of a rule of thumb, we call it, that, yeah, most of the time this is the way things work. Uh, Let me show you a few proverbs on the screen that you might recognize. Uh, Two wrongs don't make a right. The pen is mightier than the sword. Uh, The squeaky wheel gets the grease. Okay, we've all heard those. Uh, We may not call them proverbs because they don't come from the Bible. Probably most of those proverbs in our life are written by Ben Franklin, actually. (laughs) But uh, we know proverbs. Proverbs. And we know that's not always the case, but in general, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Uh, somebody complains and whines all the time. Somebody will finally do something about it, uh, pay attention to it. So we understand that. Well, that's the way the book of Proverbs in the Bible is. It gives us a lot of general truisms uh, that pretty good guides for life. Let's look at one specific uh, proverb, just before we quit, Proverbs fifteen one It says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Okay, now, all of us, I'm sure, can think through that and realize, well, that doesn't always work. But in general, if you've got somebody upset with you, somebody causing trouble, and all that, if you give them a gentle answer, it'll kind of calm things down. If you respond in anger it'll kind of escalate things and pretty soon it's a full-blown knockdown drag out so a proverb like that teaches us okay somebody's being angry with us treating us wrong give them a gentle answer and it'll probably calm things down so there's an example of a few proverbs that's what a proverb is a, a general truism all right let's make sure we get our trivia question answered today before we leave uh, Joseph of Arimathea, what did he give to Jesus? It's a little bit tricky because he actually did it after Jesus was dead. Uh, he donated his tomb. Uh, they needed a place to bury Jesus, and Joseph had one that he had carved out for himself. He gave it to Jesus' followers, and they buried Jesus there. We're glad you've been with us today. We're going to come back next week and try to answer some more of your questions. So we hope you join us then. Till then, you have a great week.